Welcome to worship at Salem Alliance Church. Let's join Steve Dan Garen, associate pastor, as he begins. Well, we've had some experiences in our family's life that I would say would be anything but hopeful. There have been some experiences that we have had that have been actually quite hopeless. I'm thinking of uh, particularly the summer of 1996, 97, somewhere in there, as uh, was one of our summer traditions. We were a boat camping family. And uh, the families that were with us, they, as their custom was, they would pull up to the boat dock in their uh, ski boats and their uh, competition skis and fancy gear. And then we would, as our custom was, we'd pull up in our 14-foot aluminum fishing boat with, uh, with our ice chests and lawn chairs and uh, blue tarps and, and you know how that looks fishing poles, and we were ready to roll. So the, the armada would take off across the lake. And as this one summer had it, we were on uh, north, we were in Northern California at Trinity Lake. And to boat camp, you have to find a spot, secure it, and uh, be there first. So we headed across the lake. Wouldn't you know it, storm comes over the horizon, and it's like uh, maybe some of you dads are. We looked at each other and said, let's do this. That was our first mistake. So as the winds and the waves began to pick up, I think it was a Hurricane 5 category that day. And as I'm holding the, the throttle of our uh, 10 horsepower engine, mighty, we used to call him Jed, uh, with, with one of my kids in the front, as the bow would, uh, would plane and pitch and rise and, and it got to the point sometimes where you couldn't see over the top. I would have to stand holding the rudder and holding the throttle, looking like George Washington crossing the Delaware. There we were. So that first night we rode out the storm and ours was the only watertight tent. So the other families gathered in and we huddled up for the night. The next morning we realized we've had enough of this hightailed it out of there and left Jed high and dry. When we got back the next day after the storm had subsided, where's Jed? <laughs> well, Jed, Jed had been blown uh, off course and kind of up the beach and kind of up, you know, around and down and, and uh, all around. And I got to tell you, uh, an, another lesson that I learned that day is when the storms come, a boat needs an anchor. I mean, no, no matter how, how seaworthy a vessel might be at the beginning of the journey, Jed included, trustworthy, capable of catching fish by the dozens. But when the storm comes and the, the winds howl without an anchor, he was no match. Category 5, Trinity Lake. Some of us have discovered that in the storms of our lives, people need an anchor, don't we? I mean, when the, when the challenges come and, and we wonder, where, where did this come from? Just out of the blue and the lightning strikes and the situations inside, we, we begin to feel hopeless and helpless. It's like... Some of you, he, he said he loved you. You went out for a couple of years and you thought this was the one and you were expecting the ring. 
and you found out he had other girls on the side. And you don't know if you can trust again because that, that relational hopelessness has set in. It's like some of us who, you know, we had that nest egg. And we, we said to our, to our wife, this is going to certainly be enough for the rest of our lives until that dreadful day when you found out that it was worth half of what it used to be worth. Sort of like Thanksgiving meal, you know, you, you pull up into Bill and Susie's driveway, you know, the, the distant cousins, second cousins once removed, and you, you get to the dinner table, and instead of the four of you, it's now the three of you. That tragic accident that took your husband. There you are. Son and your daughter, and you're 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 eating the meal, and you're trying to to enter, engage, and enter into the stories, and laugh, and people are laughing, and there's something at the pit of your stomach, the grief, and the loss, and that feeling of hopelessness begins to set in. Like you and like me, the writers of the scriptures are not unfamiliar with this feeling. And look in 1 Samuel, I'll show you some individuals on the screen who understood this, this feeling of hopelessness and helplessness. I'm thinking of Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1 over her inability to conceive a child. She writes these words, or it, these words are written of her in bitterness of soul. Hannah wept, prayed to God. Like Job chapter 27 2. In anguish, facing the, the attacks of the enemy and losing family and possessions. He says, surely as God lives who has denied me justice, the Almighty who has made me taste bitterness of soul. Psalm 6, King David writes these words, my soul is in anguish. How long, O Lord? How long? First Peter the apostle writes to those of us who have found ourselves adrift, caught up temptations of life. And he says, dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires. They war against your soul. Moments of helplessness. How did I get here, God? And how do I get back? See, for these moments, the writer of the Hebrews, the book that we'll look at today, gives us these words. He says, we have this hope. It's, a, it's an anchor for the soul, firm, secure. When the storms come, the boat needs an anchor. People need hope. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, to turn to Hebrews chapter 6. And I want to take a deeper look at a group of people who understood this principle all too well. To Hebrews chapter 6. You see, the, the story of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, was uh, penning words at a time of storm. But unlike the storms that I just mentioned, the 
the, the physical challenges and the, the economic setbacks and the sorrow and grief, perhaps the broken relationships and, and all of these kinds of storms, as, as trying as they are, this kind of storm was a very specific storm. See, the storm around the Hebrews was of a spiritual nature. See, this book was written to a, a group of first century Jewish believers called the Hebrews. And it was written at a time when the, the winds and the waves of culture and tradition were tossing and, and pulling the Hebrews to a point where they were in danger of, of drifting. As a matter of fact, if you read this book carefully, which I encourage you to do, there are actually three warnings to the people. We're going to read one in just a second. But the writer says to the Hebrews, brothers, sisters, I want you to pay attention. I want you to be careful because whether it's one degree or ten degrees or a hundred degrees, friends, it's so easy to be drawn and veered off and the winds and the waves of culture and oppression and opposition to faith. So pay attention. Be careful. As God says to us today, we too face winds and the waves of culture. We, we face opposition at times. We face the struggles in our own souls to, to stay committed to Christ and to that. To us, God says, we have hope as an anchor, firm and secure. Well, as we look back at the Hebrews, it didn't always begin this way. They're what I would call early adopters. Originally, they were zealous, genuinely following Christ. And I want you just to keep your hands or your, your thumb in, in Hebrews 6. I want to show you some, some other verses. I'll just pop them on the screen. It talks about their early days in Hebrews 10. And, and listen to what was said of the Hebrews initially. He says, remember the early days after you received the light says, you stood your ground in the face of suffering. You were strong. You were anchored. You were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. And you joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Because you knew you had a better and a lasting possession in Christ. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be rewarded one day, Hebrews. Set your anchor firm. Stay true in your faith. And then here in Hebrews 6, look at verse 10 with me. Hebrews 6, verse 10. He continues to commend the Hebrews by saying, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you've helped the people and continue to help them. Hebrews, you've done well. Something came along that began to blow them off course. And like Jed that day on Trinity Lake, all of a sudden the Hebrews found themselves in danger of drifting. Look on the screen. The writer says this in Hebrews 5. Hebrews, what happened? You're, you're slow to learn. In fact, by this time, you ought to be teachers. 
You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. And thus, the strong warning. Chapter 2, verse 1. Pay attention. Hebrews. Therefore, pay attention to what you've heard so that you do not drift away. Back in chapter 6, verse 13, he says this. He says, Hebrews, your descendants of Abraham, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. Of course, we know that God made good on the promise in the son, Isaac. See, what I, I read from this text is, even the promises of God are, Times, even when we're, we have a knowledge of our future, when we have a knowledge of who Jesus is, even in those times, we veer, we run adrift in our faith. Sometimes the winds of temptation, sometimes the winds of, of our own frailty, apathy, laziness, fears. Securities. They begin to blow. And then here in verse 9, the writer says, Dear friends, we are confident of better things. Things that accompany your salvation. Well, someone came to me last night and, and said, uh, Steve, I have a question for you. So is it, is it possible that I could drift so far? That I might lose my salvation. That I would be in danger of losing eternal life. Well, that's certainly a question for another message. But let me just say this. The intent of the writer of this book is to keep early Christ followers on course, on track, steady in their faith. The author had full confidence that God was capable of accomplishing this. Hebrews 11 speaks to this where he says, Now faith, it's the assurance of things hoped for. It's a conviction. It's, it's evidence. It's certainty of things that we can't see. A promise of heaven. A promise of eternity with God. And the writer to the Hebrews says, Friends, of this I am certain. Jesus is the anchor for our souls. Firm, secure, tie up, reset the anchor, friends, in time's storm. See, when those storms come, a boat needs an anchor and people need hope. So I want to ask you this morning, like the Hebrews... Are you here this morning and if you were to stand here and share your story, would you say to us, I got to be honest, my spiritual life has been a drift. You know, I, I want to follow God and I, I, I read his word, but, but sometimes it just doesn't make sense and, and I don't know how to decipher it and I don't know what to do with it and to be perfectly honest... Even what I do understand, I just don't do. And you're sort of like Romans 7, where Paul says, 
That which I wish I could do, I do not do. Maybe if you were standing here this morning, you would say, all right, I want to go a a layer deeper here. Let me just be gut level honest. There are times when I'm just so fearful inside. There are times when I, when I wonder, can I really provide for my family? Will, will God really give me the means to take care of everybody around me? And, and I just do stuff that, that just instinctively I grab it. And, and I know it's not necessarily what God would want me to do, but it's just there. And, and I, have, I have responsibilities and then I find myself adrift. And if we were honest with each other, would we say, sometimes the doubt and doubt of God and the insecurity of myself. I'm not sure who he is and I'm not sure who I am. I sort of, I sort of lose myself in the day to day. I don't even know who I am anymore. Yeah, I, I know God is God and I know Jesus was born of a, of a virgin and he died on a cross for my sin, but I don't know who I am anymore. See, the writer of the Hebrews is speaking to you and to me. And he's saying, when the storms of our faith come and they rock our souls, says, I am the anchor. It's me, Jesus. And the writer goes on to say in verse 18, we who have fled, those fled to the refuge of Christ. He says, you take hold of the hope offered. Verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. Are you feeling weak in your faith, adrift? Friend, I think that's a part of the Christian experience. But Jesus accomplished what you and I could not. It says that he entered the inner sanctuary, the presence of God. Jesus did what no one else could do. And now he has firmly anchored us, believers in Christ, to the eternal God, ushering us into the presence of God and a promise of eternity. Jesus did that. For you. Jesus did that for me. Do you need an anchor today? Jesus is the anchor of your soul. In just a minute, we're going to be taking communion. And you know that, that a little piece of cracker will be passed. And you know that a little cup of juice will be passed. You know how that works. And friend, if you're here today and you're saying... The, the mooring has come loose in my life. And my, my spiritual life is adrift. Friend, this is where it begins. This is how you get back on course. You, you, take, you take that cracker, symbolizing the body of Christ. And you take that cup, symbolizing the blood of Christ that was shed for you. And when you take those two things and you hold them in your hands, you thank Jesus for his accomplished work on the cross. You thank him for what he did. And when you take those, when you eat and when you drink, that's 
when you get back on course and you say, Jesus, forgive me. For the things that come to mind this morning that have drawn me off course. The fears that I allow to take hold of my soul and it pulls me off and I, and I do things I don't want to do. And the insecurities and the doubt comes. Oh God, thank you for your body and your blood and I receive this today. Forgive me and make me new. And he's always good to his promise. We're inheritors, it says. Heirs of the promise. But before the, the communion stewards come, there's, there's one other group of people that I want to talk to this morning. See, there's another group of people that's sort of spoken about in this, in this book that's sort of embedded here. The Hebrews, the writer, he says, now there are some folks among you. They have a knowledge of the truth. It's spoken of in Hebrews 10, 38 and 39. He says, there are those among you who have a knowledge of the truth, but... In fact, have no direct knowledge. It's a word that would be used for a distant acquaintance. No intimate knowledge of faith. There's some of you here this morning. And maybe, you, maybe you've been to church all your life. Maybe you've read about Jesus. You've, you've certainly seen the pictures and you hear the, the hand ringers in front of the store. Salvation Army. Well, yeah, I know what that's all about. And... Maybe you've never taken a step. Maybe you've never dropped anchor, allowed yourself to be tied into the God of the universe through salvation. Let me, let me say this plainly. If you don't know Jesus, as the forgiver of your sin, scriptures say you are spiritually lost at sea. You are lost. There's no hope of heaven without Jesus. I don't know how to say it any plainer than that. If you're here this morning and you've never met the person of Jesus, oh, you know about him. But you've never surrendered your life to him. Let him be the helm, the rudder of your life, admitting to him, I need a savior. I can't get to heaven on my own. I have sin in my life and I can't seem to get rid of it. You're in the perfect place. Jesus is the anchor for your soul. Take hold. Admit your sin. Confess your sin. Agree with, with God. Sins. It's there and present and wrong. And he says, I will forgive you your sin. Cleanse you. Been listening to Steve Dan Guerin, Associate Pastor at Salem Alliance Church. If you've enjoyed this message, we'd love for you to be our guest at our worship service on our main campus at 5th and Market Streets in Northeast Salem. Worship services are Saturday at 5 and 6.30 p.m. and again on Sunday at 8, 9.30 and 11 a.m. If you'd like to receive a free Bible and more information on how to become a Christ follower, feel free to call our office at 503-581-2129. We'd love to know how we can serve you. And once again, that's Salem Alliance Church at 5th and Market Streets in Northeast Salem.